Hello everyone, thanks for joining me this Saturday. Today is January 11th, 2019, and this has been a chaotic start to the new year. I feel as if there is no longer a cautiously consistent flow of information. It's now gotten to the point, especially with the Iran crisis, that everything has now been set back in place. I have had to rejigger my scripts and on numerous, on numerous occasions. And let me just say, although it's exhausting, it's one of the things about reporting news that you must understand. This exact thing happened on Wednesday. Trump said that while the U.S. was evaluating its options, it would, quote, immediately impose additional punishing sanctions, quote, against Iran until it, quote, changes its behavior, end quote. He called the Iran, he called Iran the, quote, leading sponsor of terrorism and repeatedly said that he would not allow Iran to develop nuclear weapons. Since 2017, the Trump administration has imposed unprecedented sanctions on Iran, which have devastated the country's economy. That reporting is from therealnews.com. This is one of those stories that requires immediate coverage and no hesitation to do so. This, of course, is this week's imperatively instant coverage on the Iran crisis. This is a story that is being watched meticulously, and it's going to continue to come. This is a solemn but glorious hour. I wish that Franklin D. Roosevelt had lived to see this day. General Eisenhower informs me that the forces of Germany have surrendered to the United Nations. The flags of freedom fly all over Europe. For this victory, we join in offering our thanks to the providence which has guided and sustained us through the dark days of adversity and into life. Quote, General Eisenhower informs me that the forces of Germany have surrendered to the United Nations. End quote. That was President Harry S. Truman, our nation's 40, I believe 40, no, 34th president, no, 33rd president, 30, yeah, 33rd president, uh, speaking on, speaking to the nation from the Oval Office. His predecessor was Franklin D. Roosevelt, but unfortunately, President Roosevelt died from a hemorrhagic stroke. According to medicalnewstoday.com, quote, a hemorrhagic stroke is when blood from an artery begins bleeding into the brain. Pressure from the leaked blood damages brain cells, and as a result, the damaged area is unable to function properly, end quote. But the nation was even more stunned when this news broke. On the American frontier with the Weston family and Donald Boone in the exciting days following the American Revolution. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin from CBS World News. A press association has just announced that President Roosevelt is dead. The president died of a cerebral hemorrhage. All we know so far is that the president died at Warm Springs in Georgia. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Fulton Lewis, Jr., speaking from the Mutual Studios in New York City. This nation has suffered this day a staggering loss. At this moment at Warm Springs, Georgia, 
President Franklin D. Roosevelt lies with the problems of, his, of the nation finally lifted from his shoulders, stricken late this afternoon with cerebral hemorrhage. He passed away before his physicians could be of any assistance, if assistance in such a case is possible at all. Vice President Harry Truman, who from here on will be President Truman, went immediately to the White House. A special cabinet meeting was called, and we should more know more about what is going to happen in Washington as the evening wears on. But Franklin D. Roosevelt, the first president to be elected for four terms in the White House, has passed away, and that is the overshadowing and shadowing of all news events that have happened or can happen for quite a while. Quote, and that is the overshadowing of all news events that have happened or can happen for quite a while. End quote. <clears throat> that, was pre that was breaking news coverage on the radio announcing President Roosevelt's death. It's incredibly astonishing of how breaking news over the years have changed. It was inevitable and normalized by even that reporter. That was multiple. There were multiple breaking news coverages, especially back then, because we were in the middle of World War II and coverage was imperative. It was imperative that the news be broken to inform the American people of anything serious. For instance, October 25th, 1945, when President Harry S. Truman created the United Nations. President Truman arrives to attend the last session of the conference to mark its official closing, a day which the whole civilized world has awaited anxiously that it might judge results. The world, as well as San Francisco, rejoices over great progress made. At the Opera House, last hours of the convention as delegates of the steering committee honor Edward Stutinius, who later resigned as Secretary of State to become permanent chairman of the American delegation. And Lord Halifax calls dramatically for a standing vote on the completed charter. And it is now my duty, my honor and my privilege in the chair to call for a vote on the approval of the charter of the United Nations Nation by nation, the delegates stand up for the great new charter they hammered out together. Fifty nations standing side by side, unanimous for peace. Now, final signing of the charter. China signing first as the first nation attacked in this war. Dr. Wellington Koo's signature topping the long list to come. Then for Russia, Ambassador Gromyko commits his country also to the agreements and objectives decided upon. After days and nights of compromise and cooperation, four main agencies upon which the world now puts its hope. A powerful security council having final military authority. A general assembly representing all member nations. A social and economic council to tackle the causes of war. And an international court to judge any international disputes. The signing is done. The Great Charter is completed. This draft of mankind's deepest hopes already a historic document. Perhaps the Magna Carta of peace-loving humanity itself. Now Statinius introduces the final speaker of the San Francisco Convention. 
the President of the United States of America. If we had had this charter a few years ago, and above all, the will to use it, millions now dead would be alive. If we should falter in the future, in our will to use it, millions now living will surely die. Now there's a time for making plans, and there's a time for action. The time for action is here now. Today, the Alive World salutes these representatives of 50 nations. They have made a beginning, a brave beginning, that can build a mighty structure for peace. Out of a world of agony and total war has come a charter that must mark a turning point in human history. A new way lies ahead. The world must take this way, through unity and cooperation, to a lasting peace. The UN's goal is to create international cooperation and to prevent another conflict. When the UN was founded, only 51 member countries were a part of it. Now there are 193. According to that historical, historical flashback, the United States Senate voted 89-2 to to confirm the UN as an official international organization. We were able to obtain the UN's charter document. It's also very exciting because this is a PDF of the original document. I'm quite sure the original document is in the National Archives, but I want to read <clears throat> the title and the declaration of this document right here. Uh, the title says, quote, Charter of the United Nations and the Statue of the International Court of Justice. And then it has the UN symbol, uh, or you could say the UN seal, and then San Francisco, dot 1945 <clears throat> charter of the united nations and it says and it reads quote we the peoples of the united nations determined to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war which twice in our lives which twice which twice in our life time has brought untold sorrow to mankind and to reaffirm faith in fundamental human rights, in this dignity and worth of the human person, in the right, in the equal rights of men and women, and na of nations large and small, and to establish conditions under which justice and respect for the obligation arising from treaties and other sources of international law can be maintained and to promote social progress and better standards of life in larger freedom. And for these ends, to practice tolerance and live together in peace with one another as neighbors, to unite our strength to maintain international peace and security, and to ensure by the acceptance of principles and the institution of methods that armed force shall not be used save in the common interest and to employ international machinery for the promotion of the economic and social advancement of all peoples have resolved to combine to combine our efforts to accomplish these aims accordingly our respective governments through representatives assembled to the in the city of san francisco who have exhibited their full powers 
to be in good and due form have agreed to present Charter of the United Nations and do hereby establish an international organization to be known as the United Nations. <clears throat> and then Article 1 says, quote, to maintain international peace and security and to do and to that end to take effective collective measures for the prevention and removal of threats to peace, end quote. Which leads me to my point. The main goal of the United Nations was to maintain international peace so that we could not begin countless and pernicious wars. That was the main goal so that you could, you and I could still be alive today. And for that assurance and cooperation to transpire in just an amazingly thorough, uh, nonviolent way, it's amazing that China, France, the Soviet Union now recognizes Russia, the United Kingdom, and other signatory states signed the UN Charter. The main goal of the UN was perpetual peace between international nations so that thousands of people did not have to die from confrontations between countries. That's what keeps us going and the flow of news coming in and out. There are breaking news coverages on missile attacks, school shootings, assassinations of presidents, the end of a war, and so many other things, of course. I'm seeing this news and I'm watching it as it occurs. But the question is, how am I going to break it? That's the heart of journalism. That is what keeps us going. The persistence and ambition to break the news and assure citizens that no matter how bad everything is, we'll be all right. Or type up a virtual analogy of the current situation. That's the heart of journalism. And breaking news is a part of it. So, the, so even if there is, so even if there has been information and news breaking expeditiously, I will still be here to break it because that is my job as your host. And so even in the midst of this Iran crisis, I'm here to tell you that everything will be all right because we've always been a strong nation. We've been a strong nation after 9-11. We've been a strong nation after the, the uh, after, after Columbine occurred. We've been a strong nation. We've, we've reunified after Parkland. We've always reunified and come back together just to maintain that peace as a strong nation. No matter who or what tries to attack the United Nations, they cannot destroy our peace or the fact that we will reunify. Because that is us. That is the United States. And that is who we are. Stay with us. Much more ahead. We have intelligence from multiple sources including our allies and our own intelligence. The evidence indicates that the plane was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile. This may well have been unintentional. That was Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau breaking the news and just uh, telling people around the world, especially warning the Canadian TV, uh, TV, uh, TV networks that uh, the Iranians have hit a Ukrainian airliner with a Russian missile. 
Um, so this this U.S. the U.S. will permit the NTSB uh, to join the investigation despite Iran sanctions. Uh, the NTSB stands for the National Transportation Security Board. Uh, this news uh, has just broke just a couple of days ago. We reported on this. We broke this news on the show. But I just want to read this to you right now. Uh, this is by ABC News. The article says, quote, The United States believes it is, quote, likely Iran shut, shot down the Ukrainian passenger plane that crashed this week in Iran, killing all 176 people on board. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Friday, quote, we do believe that it is likely that the plane was shot down by an Iranian missile, end quote. Pompeo told ABC News chief White House correspondent Jonathan Carl during a White House press briefing, quote, we are, we're gonna let the investigation play out before we make a final determination. It's important that we get to the bottom of it, end quote. Asked by Carl if the United States would allow the National Transportation Safety Board to work with Iran, which is leading the investigation into the, into the Wednesday morning crash, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said the U.S. government would permit exceptions to sanctions, to sanctions against Iran. Quote, the Treasury will issue waivers for anybody, whether it's American or others, that can help facilitate the, investi the investigation. Mnuchin told reporters at the White House, at the White House, quote, on Thursday, a U.S. official had told ABC News that it is, quote, highly likely Iran shot down the plane. You cannot see it there, but in this video, this is basically a Twitter video that was uh, videoed. Uh, it shows the plane, and it shows what look what appears to be the Iranian missile hitting the plane. This is from the Guardian, but the New York Times uh, they had an exclusive article on this, and they also had exclusive footage of what um, of what they had obtained. Uh, according to the New York Times, quote: Iran blames disastrous mistake, excuse me, disastrous disastrous mistake for the downing of Flight 752. After maintaining for days there was, there was no evidence that one of its missiles had struck a Boeing 737-800. Minutes after it took off from Tehran on Wednesday with 176 people aboard. Once again, we don't know exactly uh, why the Iranians did this, uh, but this is just uh, taking place as the Iranians have finally uh, admitted that they did shoot down this plane. Um, just a couple of hours ago looking for that video now uh, but yes Iran, Iran, the Iranians uh, did mention that they, they they did admit that they shot this plane down unintentionally uh, I guess I get I think this was before they attacked American Iraqi Air Force bases uh, air bases um, so this this attack was unintentional as they say but we're gonna continue to follow the story much more ahead Welcome back, and that is the time of the year for election music, because this is 2020, and we are just a couple of months away from the election, which is about to transpire. Uh, who has dropped out of the 2020 presidential race so far? Let's see. Well, Julian Castro, Kamala Harris, let's keep going, 
Keep going, keep going. Also, Steve Bullock. We're gonna have to minimize this a bit. Steve Bullock has also dropped out of the race. And also, oh, it does not list for us, but there are several candidates who have dropped out of the race, including Julian Castro, and most recently, yesterday, Marianne Williamson. Uh, Marianne Williamson was on uh, my anchor friend and peers show, um, Nolan, Nolan Clearly, uh, Nolan Cleary on his show, uh, Politics Weekly. Uh, he was on her show, excuse me, she was on his show. They were talking about um, some things that she would do if she were to become president and win the uh, Democratic nomination and go up against Trump and deliberately take him down. According to the Washington Post, only, quote, white candidates have qualified for the Democrats' January debate. The Washington Post goes on to say by Annie Linsky, quote, only white candidates have qualified for the next week's Democratic de presidential debate. The first, time in the first time in the election cycle that no minority contender will make the stage. It's a dynamic that critics say threatens to undercut the party's rhetoric of inclusivity. The race for the 2020 president, the, the race for the 2020 Democratic nomination kicked off last year with a historically diverse pool of candidates, including two black senators, a black mayor, a Hispanic former cabinet secretary, and an Asian businessman. Since then, all have either dropped out or failed to qualify for a spot on the stage, determined by poll numbers and donations. Now, the specter of an all-white debate is mostly white state of Ohio, is mostly white state of Ohio is prompting concerns concern among party activists. Quote both way quote the both both the way attempts the primary is set up and the way debates are done are a problem, said Rashid Robinson. According to Rachel Maddow's reporting of uh, candidates who are spending uh, the most money for donations. Uh, Rachel Maddow reported, here it is, we're looking for that graph right now. According, it actually went up a bit, uh, so this is some previous reporting, but according to the graph, uh, Michael Bennett, who's also still in the race, he, he's only, the last time I saw him was on the NBC News Democratic debate, that was the first one last year in June, I believe it's June 26th. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard has only spent $1 million on campaign ads. Michael Bennett has also spent $1 million on campaign ads. Amy Klobuchar has spent $2.5 million on campaign ads. Uh, Joe Biden has spent $2.6 million on campaign ads. Warren, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren has spent $3.3 million on campaign ads. President Trump has spent $5.7 million on campaign ads. Uh, businessman Andrew Yang has spent $6.6 million on campaign ads. Uh, Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders have spent, has both spent $10 million on campaign ads. Uh, but $67 million has been spent by Tom Steyer on campaign ads. 66 points, no, yeah, $67 million. And, wait for it, Michael Bloomberg, $142 million on campaign ads. Uh, Michael Bloomberg's number went up last night to $161.3 million on campaign ads for spending. So as we're watching YouTube and going through YouTube videos just to laugh at videos of 
different things that you like to watch on YouTube. We see all these different candidates in their ads. And also, if you have cable TV watching these cable TV ads, is these candidates work and they, they work tirelessly to convince us you should vote for me. I am so and so and I approve this ad. You should vote for me. Here are my reasonings. Here's the rationale behind why you should vote for me. Everyone is competing at this time, at this point in this new year, 2020, as this is an election year. It is imperative that they want to get the Democratic nomination to deliberately take down Trump. The question is, who will take down Trump? Right now, the four top candidates are Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and Elizabeth Warren. Those are the four top candidates. Tom Steyer just made it onto the debate stage about, about two days ago. So he will be on the debate stage next week on Tuesday, January 14th. Believe it or not, Tom Steyer is second in the South Carolina uh, races as we were watching on. In the Iowa caucuses, they are coming up. The president's State of the Union is next week on, excuse me, next month on, Jan on February 4th. The Democratic debate is next week on January 14th. But the Democratic, uh, Democratic committee chairman says that he is willing, uh, the Democratic convention chairman says he is willing to uh, cancel the debates if they conflict with impeachment. Because there are three senators who will be on that stage that if uh, impeachment, if the impeachment trials are taking place in the United States Senate, they are required and legally, legally obligated to attend um, those trials. Those three senators are Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, and Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont. So those three senators will be there and the, uh, it will be canceled if it does conflict with impeachment. But according to uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she is getting ready to hand over uh, the, she's getting ready to hand over, she's getting ready to hand over Mitch McConnell. She's getting ready to hand over the uh, impeachment articles to Mitch McConnell next week on Friday. But my question is, hypothetically speaking, we got to think long term here. What will Mitch McConnell do when he gets those impeachment trials, when he gets impeachment uh, trial, I mean, when, when he gets the articles, when he gets the articles of impeachment? What do we do with that? Will he just keep it on his desk like every other bill that the House has sent to him? Or will he actually get something done and let there be a fair trial? According to NBC News and, NBC News and several news outlets, John Bolton is willing to testify to the United States Senate. But he says the Senate can just, be, he says the House can just blow his bluff. I think he said watch his bluff. In other words, John Bolton is reluctant to testify to the House of Representatives, but he is willing to testify to the United States Senate. But Mitch McConnell does not want a fair trial. He doesn't even want a trial, and it's inequitable because it's inequitable because that is not how politics and the framers of the Constitution have set up the Constitution. That is not how it's supposed to work. Mitch McConnell saying that quote: "He has enough votes from Republicans that he doesn't even have to do a trial." According to the United States Constitution, according to the legislative manual that that senators take 
and house that senators take and house of representatives take the it says quote i do solemnly swear or affirm that i am duly qualified according to the constitution of this state to exercise the duties of the office to which i have been elected or appointed and that i will to the best of my ability discharge the duties thereof and preserve protect and defend the constitution of this state and of the united states so help me god that is that and the constitution does talk about how senators are supposed to act accordingly to impeachment that there shall be a fire a fair trial in the senate as well not inequitably transpire so as we watch this occur we'll just have to see what happens and if mitch mcconnell does adhere to a fair trial and let John Bolton come to testify. We'll be right back. Last night I watched Rachel Maddow's commencement speech and I actually got, I got online and found the quote for today's show's quote of the day. This is by Smith College 2010. Rachel Maddow said, quote, Do stuff you will enjoy thinking about and telling stories about for many years to come. Do stuff you will bring, you will want to brag about. That is the quote of the day. And I know this is not technically the last note, but the last note is next up. I guess you could count this as part one of the last note. Uh, but yesterday I went to go see Harriet uh, in the movies uh, with my class. It was a fantastic uh, movie. It was an extraordinarily intriguing, captivating film. And we'll be talking about that for the 28 Days of Black History. That will be day one. So you've already got a little gist of what's gonna be going on through that entire month. Uh, but the 28 days of black history uh it may be 27 days depending on this is a leap year or not uh but the last note is up next what's the most complex industry on earth it isn't big data it's not commodities or futures trading it isn't genetics or molecular biology it's not the halls of academia or the corridors of high finance. It's not meteorology and it's not logistics. It's a business that involves all of these businesses. It's farming. And we're proud to work with generations of American farmers in the most complex and rewarding industry on earth. On February 2nd, 2020, there will be Groundhog Day. It will be Groundhog Day. Will we get a picture or will we even get to snap a picture of the groundhog if we do see it? Groundhog Day is observed on February 2nd each year in the United States and Canada for a nice welcomed break during the winter. On this day, the groundhog awakens from his nap and goes outside to see if he can see his shadow. That is according to the nationalcalendar.com. Happy Saturday, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Get some rest and have a great day. And remember to stay positive and inspired.